There was one reliable gap in the golden age routine between dinner and lights out, into which Frank could disappear. After the trays were taken, before the splints were put on, for twenty minutes or so the patients were left to themselves. Sometimes the boys read, much-handled Spider-Man comics, Enid Blyton, Biggles, Treasure Island. Sometimes they fooled about with spitball fights. Recently Malcolm Poole had been taking himself over to Warren Barrett's bed. They had a craze for Monopoly. Lewis took out his stamp collection. It was late twilight. Sounds of laughter drifted down the stairs from the staff quarters, where the nurses were eating their dinner. Soon, in a bright swarm, they would descend on the children and leave them splintered, smoothed, kissed. The curtains drawn against the dark. At this hour, just after sunset, Frank always felt the need to go outside. It was a habit inherited from his parents. Before dinner, unless it was very cold or wet, Ida and Maya always went out onto their small front porch to smoke and drink an aperitif. Nobody said much. Maya, cigarette in one hand, glass in the other, stepped into the little front yard, checking out his plants. The streetlights came on with a blink and lit up the last home-going workers passed down Fitzgerald Street. Birds were calling out good nights as they flew over the treetops in the park. His parents had stood like this at the railing on the deck of the ship to Australia. Backs turned to him, their slender drifts of smoke curling up above the horizon like the thread of their own thoughts. There was something lonely yet resolute about the way they stood there. It was not quite hope. This evening, unobserved, he left his bed and rolled silently out through the open front door along the veranda. The last streaks of pink and orange cloud were fading over the roof of the netting factory. The air smelt of warm dust, with a whiff of Norm's full-blown roses. Tiny birds hunched like a row of knots along the power lines. The first star had appeared. His poem came back to him out here. Your bed was empty today, when I looked for you. Why? He took his pencil and the half-used prescription pad out of his dressing gown pocket. It was important to hold on to your words in the way they were given to you. Sullivan had told him that. A notebook was essential. Frank had found the prescription pad in the car park at IDB. A doctor must have dropped it. It was the perfect size for a pocket, and when he pulled it out he felt a little thrill, each blank slip waiting for its instruction, each just the right size for a poem, or the first lines of a poem, for the words of your thoughts. It occurred to him that this poem could just as easily be about Sullivan, the poet at IDB, who had introduced him to his vocation. In fact, as he wrote, he realised it was for Sullivan, as perhaps all his poems were. Coming to terms with death is a necessary element in any great poem, Sullivan once said. And in this matter, gold, he'd said, rolling his eyes towards Frank, we have an early advantage. <laughs>